listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Top of the morning, man. For those who enjoyed President's Day Off, well, this is the start of your week. And thanks for doing so with us as we ask the question, how the heck are you, Miller and Moulton, here on the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us. Mark, how was your President's Day? My President's Day was pretty uneventful. You know, just uh, we did a little working. Had the daughter. Daughter was off school, so hung with her for the day. Wife got out a little early, watched a little full swing. Pretty good day for me. So you didn't grab the daughter and head to the Panthers game? We did not. We did not. One o'clock hockey. Wondering if anybody took us up on that. I mean... You know, by the rallied from a two nothing deficit, a late three two deficit, one in overtime with an absolutely must need two points. Such you know, a big win. Home by dinner. I mean, you know, that's a day right there. I know six people care about the Florida Panthers, but that was a big win for them. <laughs> absolutely a must. A must as they try to hold on uh or grab the final playoff spot in the jam-packed Eastern Conference. But an eventful day yesterday in the sports world. Mark, every now and then does something happen in which you just pull over on the side of the road or you're stopped at a traffic light and you look around and you go, we've been talking about this for 15 years. So the... Finally getting around to this or, you know, everybody nationally is making a big deal and it makes us feel even smaller than we are in which we go, my goodness, we've done like 300 shows on this. Every bit of 300 shows. (laughs) I mean, just when I heard the news yesterday about, you know, these college football games are taking too long and we need to come up with some proposals to make them shorter. Wow. I mean, I don't know. We've been offering these up for the better part of eight years. At least. At least. I think we spent that many years ahead of the curve saying there's a problem with length of games and everybody else going, man, what is wrong with you two? There's nothing wrong with the length of a college football game. Everything's just fine. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I don't even know why we we never, well, shouldn't say never, but hardly ever talk once the show is done. We cover a lot of ground personally and professionally in the roughly four hours and 15 to four and a half hours that we have the ability to communicate with one another. Occasionally, we will text one another between like 10, 15 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. the next morning. But I really, I was dialing, okay? I really was. I was, I had your number right there, and I was about to hit it, and I'm like, I I got to talk to him. I got to do a segment. I got to get this <laughs> off my chest. <laughs> and I thought, if I call him, okay, and I thought, you know, he's probably hanging out with his daughter. She doesn't have school today. And if I call him and they're in the middle of something and all of a sudden she'll be looking at him going, Daddy, why are you doing a segment on the phone? 
So I didn't call you, but man, I wanted to. College football executives are very concerned about the length of games, and they've come up with four proposals to potentially shorten the games. Man. Well, one of them's bat blank crazy, by the way. Well, by college football standards, it is. By football standards, it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Mark, it basically, it's soccer. Okay, that, the proposal is basically soccer. Okay, the one. Once we start that clock, we're that not stopping it. Keep running. <laughs> I mean, let's slow down a little bit here. <laughs> well, see, I think that's where you throw it up on the board. Okay, knowing full well, well, we're not going to adopt that one, but you get them to adopt a couple in the middle there. And it looks as if college football will expedite their games a touch more quickly coming up this year. Wow. What a what a concept. What an idea. I mean, honestly, it's as if they went away on a retreat and somebody said, you know, I think our games are too long. You know, I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah, we had a game last year. I didn't get out of the office till nearly 8 o'clock at night. Because for six years, it was Miller, Moulton, Chris Fowler, and Michael Felder. That was it. Period. And two of us don't count. And really three. I mean, Michael's a good writer, good reporter, right. but he doesn't have the national cachet to get no. anything done. And Fowler couldn't. I mean, no one listened to him. Not even Herb Street. No. Kirk was like, you know, what are you talking about? I love these games. But then they got a few, you know, bad primetime games that took forever. You know, Herb Street's got a long week, and even Kirk started to go, you know, these games are taking and, – and Chris was kind of looking at him like, yeah, you think? Think maybe we can shorten these suckers a little bit? I've seen joke of it five setters that last less the time than these things. <laughs> uh, don't laugh. When they filled in and did an NFL game, I think it was two years ago, and they talked about it even afterwards in which they're like, man, you do an NFL game and then you do a college game. A college game seems like it's a whole other quarter. Because it is. Yeah. <laughs> it can be. Between the three to eight more minutes of halftime, depending. It's it's seven to eight. Every college halftime is 20. And it used to, a few places, stretch longer. But the one thing college football did in the last couple of years was they kind of legislated all the conferences agreed 20 minutes. Exactly. You got 20, which is up from 18. When I started 18 years ago with CBS, it was an 18-minute halftime. But sometimes that clock would just stop. Or they wouldn't start it. And then they'd start it. And you go, oh, it's 18 minutes from now. Interesting. The band's already on the field. In fact, I think they just started playing. They've got a long set today, David. <laughs> well, both bands, Mark. Right. Remember, it's both bands. <laughs> Steve Shaw, who used to be the head of SEC officiating and now is the head of officiating as a whole in college football, he is even on the record in the last year as saying, yeah, if you think we're – taking the bands out of college football you're crazy okay i ain't putting up with that heat no one would want to i, I will say 
it is the one little part that fans at home may not care about. A lot of the fans at the game may not care about. But the work that the band puts in, they get their 10 minutes. I don't know what to tell you. They've earned it. I mean, Alabama bills the band as it is marching onto the field as the million-dollar band. And Ohio State, what, it, to quote Jim Tressel, when they won the national title, he said, and I just want to, you know, thank the best damn band in the land. Okay, and I think for a few years, that's how they introduced themselves when they came out. The best damn band in the land. So they're not going anywhere. Anywhere. They're not cutting their routine shorter. No. Uh-uh. We're the band. We get our time, damn it. Deal with it. Run that clock if you have to. We're playing our three songs each. But they're looking to not stop after first downs. That's the big change that's coming. Hey, think about it. Growing up, what were the two big differences, college to pro? They stopped the clock after first downs, one foot versus two. I, for forever, Mark, when I was a kid, that, that was it. That was the difference between Saturdays and Sundays. That and marching bands. Although for the longest time, at an NFL game, they'd find a local band and let them play two songs. That was your halftime entertainment. I went to many a Giants game in which they had a high school band that would come out and do two numbers. Then the NFL even stopped with that. They're like, no, nah, nothing. You get nothing. You get an empty field. Go to the John. Get your beer. Beer, hot dog, bathroom. That's what you're supposed to do at halftime. You've got 12 minutes. Let's, right. let's keep it peppy. Talk to one another. Okay? Call someone. Whatever. Mark, I'm not kidding. When the Colts left Baltimore, all right, the Baltimore Colts band stayed in existence, and they used to play NFL games as the Baltimore Colts marching band. And I saw many a Giants-Jets-Eagles game when halftime we welcome the Baltimore Colts marching band. And it's like, really? Who else had? The Redskins had a band, right? Had some, oh, yeah. The Redskins had a band. And I, I can say that because they were the Redskins when they had a band. Correct. But, I mean, the Colts band would travel. I mean, just to do two songs at halftime. And we'd all be like, what the heck are they doing? Don't they realize the ship has sailed, literally? I mean, moving vans and everything. Yeah, they never became the Ravens marching band. No, they did not. And I don't know if they were ever asked to play in Indianapolis. Don't know if they ever wanted to. How many teams have a marching band in the NFL? Don't know. Zero, I believe. Well, okay. So the I thought the Ravens had a band, but it's not like a real band. It's not like well, a college football band. I don't know. I, I don't. I honestly, I cannot recall ever seeing a band at halftime in the last five years that have been at NFL games. So, just like not every team has cheerleaders. Like, the Giants don't have cheerleaders. I don't think the Browns have cheerleaders. I mean, there's like, I think, six teams that don't have cheerleaders. But I don't know if any of them have bands anymore. It was very 60s and 70s. Yes. It definitely went out with the times, and that's probably a good thing. I mean, that's, you know, when the Rose Bowl parade and all that, you know, were big. You know, marching bands. The Orange Bowl parade, remember? Had to watch that. That was prime time. 
It'd be the night before the game. It's a big deal. Need a Bryant and everything. Look that up. That'll date me. Whew. Man, that'll date me. Look at this road we just went down. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trying to figure out <laughs> how to take a fork in the road right now. <laughs> you know what? We're going to ask the band to leave. That's what we're going to Your time is up. Now it's back to the second half. <laughs> Miller and Moulton. Text lines open at 21,000. Great show lined up for you today. David Sampson making his weekly appearances. His appearance and the starting five is a mere 25 minutes away. Right here on Miller and Moulton, you're listening to the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour, top of the morning to you. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. David Sampson's weekly visit is forty minutes away. We always look forward to that. There will be no Pat Kerwin today. Something came up late for Pat. He's offered his services for later in the week. We'll probably take him up on that. But Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times will join us in the eight o'clock hour. As we go a little more in depth about potential changes to, well, college football, the game as a whole, and whether or not they're going to eliminate some plays and shorten it. And Chris Perkins, columnist in South Florida, talk a little Dolphins. Vic Fangio had a presser yesterday. They signed a, somebody else's defensive coordinator. I mean, I have to admit, spent a lot of money on coaches on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll talk about college football, little dolphins in our eight o'clock hour. Did you catch what Adam Silver had to say NBA All-Star Weekend? I listened to, I mean, I read some of what he had to say. Did it concern you or did you think he was playing the PR game when he was asked specifically about quote-unquote load management and he treated it almost the same way Roger Goodell treated NFL officiating. What are you talking about? Ah, we don't have a load management problem. All right, things are fine. The whole room's looking around at each other going, what did he just say? Like when Rod said, NFL officiating's never been better. The whole room looked at each other and said, that's his quote, right? It's fascinating to me because load management started by the teams, not by the players. And it's a combination of both groups who use it. This is not, it is perceived as a player's problem, as players are lazy, as players don't play hurt. They're not doing it the way they used to, when in fact, it's the team and the player doing it in conjunction with one another, and sometimes the team doing it without the player, wanting to rest guys. They've ch- we've changed the way we deal with injuries. So that's what Adam Silver presented. It's like it's a different world than it was 20, 30 years ago. I don't know what to tell you. Do you believe that 
it's a problem? I think it's a huge problem. Okay. Because Adam Silver, who is the commissioner of the league, I mean, you know, there's a lot you can criticize Rob Manford about. Rob Manford, however, since pretty much day three on the job, has been pretty concerned about some of the things going on in baseball. I mean, Rob Manford has been the driving force behind the rule changes that are being put into effect in Major League Baseball this decade. The shift, you know, wanting to get the running game back, shortening games, times in between pitches and what have you. I mean, for better or worse, that's all coming from Rob Manford. He said this is a problem. The player said it wasn't. Rob said, uh, yeah, it is. And he started at the minors, and he has systematically worked his way through two negotiations, and now he is getting what he wants. You and I have talked about this. Outside of contractually incentivizing players to play, I'm not sure exactly what Adam Silver can do. It's, I mean, you, you would have to admit, David, that what Manford did in baseball and what Silver could potentially do in basketball. It's two different things. One was changing rules. The other one's changing a mentality. Yes. And and that's what has hit me, Mark, that when a generation, when the next generation has just completely changed their view about life and the pursuit of happiness, if you will, how in the world do you change that unless you impact their wallet? I mean, that's, I mean, one of the guys in the all-star game, I forget his name, but he was asked about the quality of the game and he looked right at the person and said, well, you know, then the NBA needs to dig into their wallet and pay us a lot more money to play harder. Not only that, but you're interrupting the players' vacations too. Oh my goodness. I know. God forbid. I know. I mean, they they get paid millions of dollars to play in a season, and they're honored by being in an all-star game, and we mess up with their vacation? They don't want to go to Utah. Oh, my gosh. They don't want to go to Utah. Well, first off, it really wouldn't matter where the game's played. If they don't want to go, they don't want to go. Okay. By the way, it was 60 degrees in Salt Lake. Apparently, people were walking down the street in T-shirts. Apparently, it was a beautiful weekend, for what it's worth. But... And nobody plays until Thursday. And they're not allowed to have a practice until 3 o'clock Wednesday. I mean, it's in the CBA. The guys are do not have to return to their teams before 3 o'clock on Wednesday. And remember, most of the league's not in the All-Star game. And even those that are still get two and a half to three and a half days because there's only a handful of games on Thursday. But it's an attitude. It, the, the, at, the feeling has changed. Very few wear it as a badge of honor anymore to show up and play every night. They, they don't feel that's actually part of the job description. I mean, they're the worker who, quite frankly, has about six weeks vacation. I mean, if you have that much vacation time and that much seniority, you know you can treat work differently. And that's where we are. And I don't know, I mean, again, if you incentivize contracts, 
for games played and money, that to me is the only way to change this. And let's be honest, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. They'd have to shut down the sport. Now, Barkley came out and said during All-Star Weekend, he goes, oh, we're going to have a lockout in a year. He goes, the owners are fed up. He said, they're fed up with the players. They're sick of this. Okay. And he he believes the sport's going to get shut down over the problems. The next day, Adam Silver's up on the podium going, what the heck are you talking about? We're fine. Everything's fine. I mean, they play 82 games in a season. And if you play in 70 of the 82, you're like, wow, that guy shows up to play. Yeah, you're going to get the Iron Man Award. Damn near. And listen, Mark, until, until it affects attendance, until it affects ratings, you know, it's one thing for our generation to be offended by load management. That's very easy to understand and explain. It's if they turn off Felipe. And this weekend turned Felipe off. Okay? I mean, so if you're the NBA, when you got 22-year-old hoop head in Felipe, who if he had $100 left in the world would spend it on NBA League Pass, Okay, when he's now offended by at least three days of your 200 plus day product. hmm, okay, that's a start. But load management's never bothered you, has it? No, it has. I mean, enough to not watch. Oh, yes or no? Like, yes, if a player is out because of this, okay, I'm not watching the game. Okay. Like, oh, it's Lakers Clippers at 10. But LeBron's not playing. Okay, my interest has immediately left. Okay, there's a start. I, I'm going to go to sleep instead. That's what that, I'm going to do. But Felipe, that's important. That's a start. Yeah, turning it off is the biggest thing you can do to get changed. Because if ratings start declining, then they will start looking at it. Otherwise, they'll keep on keeping it. And they're coming up on a TV deal. So they've got to try to make their product as appealing to the masses as humanly possible because they're trying to get the checks. But Adam Silver's laughing at both of us going, did you hear what NBC said last week? NBC basically said if ESPN or Turner's not interested, we'll pay the going rate. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour. Thanks so much for being with us on this day after President's Day. Hope your week is off to a good start, whether you worked or not. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. David Sampson make his weekly appearance at the top of the hour. We'll talk plenty of football in our eight o'clock hour. Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. Some big proposed changes to college football and their pace of play. And Dolphins, spending about as much money on a defensive coaching staff as we've ever seen. We'll talk to Chris Perkins, who covers the South Florida sports scene. Terrific columnist. He'll join us about two hours from now. Between now and then, it is time for... The Starting Five. 
five stories you need to know. It's the starting five on Miller and Moulton. Here's number one. And we'll start with the NFL, Mark. Dolphins defense coordinator Vic Fangio met with the media yesterday for the first time. Told everybody why it was that he chose Miami. Of course, covering the highest paid assistant coach in the history of the league. Probably near the top of the list. Uh, but also talked about, you know, expectations, that sort of deal. And mentioned that, oh, by the way, we've just hired Chargers defensive coordinator Ronaldo Hill. Mark, he was coordinator kind of sort of name only because Brandon Staley, you know, much like Andy Reid calls the offensive plays, well, Brandon Staley calls the defensive signals for the Chargers. So those that were mocking the signing about, oh, wow. Well, Higher than the Chargers defense coordinator, you know, gave up a four touchdown lead to the Jags. Well, he wasn't the one calling the defensive signal, so. And notice he didn't get fired. Staley said he let him go because he's worked for Fangio and he has so much respect for him and for Hill that that's why he let him go. Huh. All right. Uh, Hill, by the way, played for the Dolphins and was an assistant coach with them just five years ago. Colts hired Jags assistant Jim Bob Cooter as their offensive coordinator. One of the 10 greatest names in coaching history. Isn't that fantastic? Maybe top five. So there you have it. Um, Red McCombs died yesterday, 95 years old. And this could be a football story because he owned the Vikings from like 98 into the middle of the 2000s. There was a lot of concern amongst Vikings fans that he was going to move the team to San Antonio because he is Mr. San Antonio sports. In fact, he named the basketball team. When he bought the team and moved them to San Antonio, he's the one who called them the Spurs. And many people believe he named them the Spurs because he grew up in Spur, S-P-U-R, Texas. So McCombs, who owned the Spurs and the Vikings, passed away yesterday at the age of 95. Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Mark, he's changing his agent. But also, reportedly, he's asking for $45 million a year. <laughs> Maybe his agent fired him. Maybe he didn't really change agents. When he said that to his original agent, they went, what? For you? You might need to have someone else represent you, sir. <laughs> so, um, basically, he and his agent came out and said, do you see where the salary cap's going? I mean, you're going to try to pigeonhole me in at a certain salary, and 18 months from now, that's going to be laughable. So if you want to pigeonhole me in at a certain rate, well, with where the salary cap is going, that rate's going to be more like 45. Basically, Daniel Jones and his agent is kind of getting you prepared for Joe Burrow's contract. We'll see if the Giants bite. You can tag a quarterback, by the way, and the price tag is 32.4. So this may just change the Giants' way of thinking that they were going to sign Jones and tag Barkley and get him at $10 million a year. Instead, they may have to sign Barkley and tag Jones. So we'll see. 
Today, by the way, is the first day, Mark, that you can place a tag, either a transition or a franchise tag, on a player. You have between today and March 7th to do so. So you got two weeks, and then it, and then a week goes by between then and the start of the new NFL business year. Uh, NBA, Giannis, ligament sprain in his right wrist. Apparently, it's a deal with a pain injury. If they had to play today, he wouldn't be playing. But they don't have to play until the end of the week. We'll see if Giannis, who likes to play every game, by the way, he's not a load management guy. Yet. Yet. Kevin Love officially signing with the Heat. They also signed Cody Zeller, a 6'11 center, who's been out of the league this year. Myers Leonard, former Miami Heat, has not played in the league in two years since he was caught with an anti-Semitic slur while playing a video game. He's been out of the league since March of 2021. He was injured at the time. He's obviously been healthy, but nobody signed him. Milwaukee signed him to a 10-day contract. Russell Westbrook is going to sign with the Clippers. Patrick Beverly is going to sign with the Bulls. They're two games out of the play-in in the East. College hoops. The Canes are ranked 13th in the AP, 11th in the coaches poll. Thank you very much. FAU dropped out of the rankings, Mark, with their loss last week. Kansas went on the road. Do what the Jayhawks do. They win close, tough, tight Big 12 games. They beat 24th ranked TCU, 63-58. Bethune and FAMU winners on the road. Bethune and FAMU women were losers on the road. The women's AP rankings came out yesterday. Florida State, the only in-state team ranked their 23rd. The coaches poll comes out today. South Florida and FGCU may join them in the coaches poll rankings later today. Hockey. Panthers trail 2-0 after 1-3-2 with six minutes to go in the third. Rallied to tie it and then win it. Carter Verhage with the game winner in overtime is 30th. 4-3 Panthers over the Ducks. Florida, Mark, a point ahead of Pittsburgh for the final playoff spot, but the Penguins have four games in hand. Islanders did the Penguins of, or did the Panthers a favor, I should say, by beating Pittsburgh 4-2 yesterday. And even more of a hand that they got it done in regulation. I mean, that was the big part. With those two teams playing, you couldn't afford you can't really afford a lot of shootout overtime games where three points are getting distributed if teams that are ahead of you or right with you in the standings. And the win by the Islanders vaulted them ahead of the Panthers. So right now the Islanders and the Panthers are the two wild cards in the East. But Mark just try to play this on for size. The Panthers technically are the eight seed this morning, but the Penguins are a point back and they have four games in hand. Washington's two points back. They have two games in hand. Buffalo's four points back with six games in hand. The Wings are four points back with five games in hand. So that's why when we say the Panthers need all these points, yeah, the only thing that has them in the playoffs right now is the standings, if you know what I mean. I think right now you'd rather be any of those other teams with all the games that they have in hand on the Panthers. Other NHL scores, the Bruins won. There's a shocker. 
I know they lost eight regulation games. Although it was Ottawa who's beaten them twice this year. Of the of the eight, Ottawa's been their nemesis this year for crying out loud. And Ottawa's actually playing really good hockey, making a late playoff push here. Winnipeg went into the Garden and beat the Rangers four one. Philly over Calgary four three. San Jose shut out the Kraken four nothing. And then we turn our attention to college football. We will get into this in a big way probably after we talk to David Sampson in 15 minutes. But the folks in charge of college football apparently have been talking, and they are going to recommend four changes to reduce the number of plays in a college football game. Why do they want to reduce the number of plays? Two reasons. Quote-unquote, safety. (laughs) 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 And to reduce the length of the game. Ah, there you go. Because that's what the networks want. There you go. Now we're talking. So uh, here are the four proposals. You decide which ones you'd sign off on. Number one, you can't have consecutive timeouts anymore. Like you can't call two, three in a row to ice a kicker. If you call a timeout and then all of a sudden you're, you know, the play clock's winding down. You want to call a second one. You can't do it. You just can't call consecutive timeouts. I'm totally in favor of that. Um, This hardly ever comes into play, but actually at the end of the first and third quarters, if the defense commits a penalty, you can have an untimed down. All right. They said, yeah, no more untimed downs. Basically, if that happens, it'll be the first play of the next quarter. Okay. Clock continues to run after a first down, except when we have less than two minutes to go in both halves. That's the biggie. That's the biggie. So no holding the clock for six, seven, eight, 12 seconds, whatever it takes to move the chains and set the ball. Nope. Like the NFL, baby. Just run out of bounds. Okay, 40, 39, 38, let's go. And then number four, the clock continues to run even after incomplete passes once they spot the ball. So incomplete, they track down the new ball and what have you. They throw it in. The official places it on the hash, looks around. Okay, let's go. Wind the play clock. Game clock, actually. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No, no. The other three will. Um, just throwing this out there and we will get into this in greater detail. The average college football game is three hours and 23 minutes. That includes halftime. It's gone up five minutes in the last five years. Now you may see a stat out there that says the games are longer than that. That technically includes a bunch of games that had weather delays Okay, if you take out the games that were delayed by weather, lightning, snow, or what have you, just three hours, 23 minutes. That includes halftime. That's five minutes longer than it was five years ago. Average NFL game for the record, 312 this past year. There's a seven-minute difference in halftime. 12, 13 minutes is an NFL halftime. 20 is a college halftime. So the 11-minute difference, seven of it's halftime. Just telling you. And that's not going away. No. 
The other delay, though, is an NFL game, a 1 o'clock game, kicks off at 101. A 3.30 game kicks off between 3.38 and 3.45, depending on how big the game is and the network that's carrying it. So that's, you add it all up, and that's why these games are not fitting in the three-hour and 30-minute window. Average game's 3.23. Well, they ain't kicking it off at 3.30. They're kicking it off at 3.40. So now all of a sudden, you know, the game goes past 7 o'clock. 14 more plays in a college football game, okay, than in an NFL game, by the way. 14 more offensive plays. So then add up how many more special teams plays gets thrown in because of those 14. You know, a couple more punts, a couple more extra points, whatever the case may be. And that, at eight minutes before the hour, was... That was the starting five every weekday morning at this time on Miller and Moulton. The Tampa Bay Bucks, for the record, ran the most plays of any team in the league last year in the NFL. They averaged 69 plays a game. That's not even average in college football. The average college football team runs 70 plays a game. Georgia and Alabama, by the way. Both ran 70 plays per game on average. And what's the NFL average? If the Bucks were at the most, is there an average for the NFL? 63. Average college team runs 70. The high was Texas Tech at 89, but they're the outlier because the second team was 80. So basically, college football was between 80 and 59. The NFL was between 69 and 57. Carolina ran the fewest plays per game at 57. That gives you a little perspective on, one, just how close it is in the NFL, the variance in college because of the styles. But even the Bucs, who were as pass-happy as anybody, only running that many more plays than Carolina, who was obviously a more run-oriented team. Miller and Moulton. Thanks for listening. David Sampson is next right here on the Florida Sports Network.